Welcome to the first episode of Mad Men Mental Health. Yes. I got it right. Yes. Mad Men Mental Health. Um, thanks. Shout out to Christy Barrett for the name. Yes. Um, we'll do a pre-shout out to Caitlin Levian, who is going to make us a logo. And we're coming up with possible ideas for a tagline to go along with our name. I kind of like embrace your crazy, though I don't know if crazy is the right word to end it with. Yeah, we might be able to find a better word, but yeah. otherwise we'll figure that out. Yeah. So um, for those of you joining us live who... Um, Nobody so far. Yeah, that's fine. For those of you might, that might be joining us live here at some point, uh, I am one half of uh, Bucks and Brews. My name's David Levian. Um, I'm joined by longtime frequent contributor to Bucks and Brews, the eye candy, Michael Benson. Yes. Um, we do probably four episodes a year, I'd say, on Bucks and Brews covering mental health. Mm -hmm. And uh, our therapist, who we now share, yep. uh, thought it'd be a good idea for us to get on here and, and do some mental health episodes. Yeah. Just, you know, to discuss, you know, men's mental health and mm -hmm. middle-aged men's mental health uh, more specifically because we're both middle-aged um as well as you know I, I figured we'd probably sometime somewhere between six to ten episodes a year maybe probably yeah not quite probably monthly but yeah fairly close to near monthly and yeah yeah and they like said and then if we get you know the word spread well enough we'll have guests on that can talk about like their mental health journey and like i said it's a very um passionate topic for both of us um both because we've had mental health challenges um like i said dave and his wife don own a business where part of their thing is realizing that a healthy way to get out your rage and things like that is actually a very good tool for mental health yeah we own a uh break room here in, in byron center michigan where you come in and you break glass and electronics and you know some people do it just for fun, but some people do it because they're really working through things. Like it's not really my thing. I've never had an interest in breaking stuff. Um, I, it, it gives me great anxiety, but this week with the way work went, I could have absolutely used break room okay. therapy because I, I had somebody that cost me an entire month's worth of work. Ugh. And I basically just had to throw it in the trash and start all over, yeah. which of course now I'm way behind where I should have been. And I was, beyond frustrated and cursing and yelling i and, hope that person was one of the people who got fired uh no no fortunately not not uh, I, she's a really nice lady but it, yeah it was a really big screw up and yeah. I, I was i was not in a position to talk to anybody that day like my boss tried to get me on a, a call so she could mediate and i basically told her listen if you get me on that call you're going to have to fire me and she said, well, uh, let's not do that. No. I said, that's probably a good idea because I, I wasn't in a good headspace to yeah. deal with any of that over the phone because I would have said things that were not kind. Yeah. Um, and for anybody that knows me, which, you know, if you're tuning in for the first time, you've never listened to Bucks and Brews. Um, I, I usually don't worry too much about being not kind. Um, I worry about it to people I don't know because, you know, I don't yeah. want to necessarily make somebody's day who i don't know bad but you kind of have to do it in a professional environment anyway yeah. too is bite your tongue sometimes and, yes you know put it put it off a day you know that critical discussion that has to be had so you can get that anger in check so you don't do something that will get you fired or yeah up for i do like my job i'm not looking to to leave but I have always said, if I ever get fired, I'm going out in a blaze of glory. And, you know, the one time I've been fired in my life, I went out in an absolute blaze of glory. <laughs> Escorted from the building. <laughs> um, so those things do happen. Um, but, you know, as I was saying earlier, we do these episodes about four times a year on, on Bucks and Brews. Bucks and Brews, for those of you that don't know, is a financial podcast where we drink beer while we're talking money. And mental health is a huge component to finances mm. honestly oh hands down um it's one of the number one reasons for depression because mm -hmm. you know people are struggling um so for nick and i and mike joins us on most of those episodes it it really is something that guys don't talk about mm -hmm. 
And I, I think that's one of the things we really want to lean into on this podcast is talking about things guys don't want to talk about because, you mm-hmm. know, especially Nick is a millennial and I will probably refer to him a lot because Nick's pretty open about his mental health struggles as well. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but Mike and I are Gen Xers mm-hmm. and, you know, we were both raised, I would probably say in a non-typical Gen X household. Um, we weren't really latchkey kids. No, not we, at all. We weren't really left to our own devices. No. We had people around that, you know, were constantly keeping an eye on us, making sure we yep. were keeping our nose clean, stuff like that. Yeah. We, we were to the prototypical good kids. Yeah. You know, no, nobody ever said, oh, Mike was doing this. And yeah. if they had said that, your mom would have been like, yeah, not, not my kid. Yeah. That was the worst thing I ever did prior to graduating high schools when if we were at the National Honor Society and we skipped going to the Chicago Art Institute to hit the uh, um, Sears Tower, which will always be the Sears Tower to me. Never going to be anything other than the Sears Tower. That's, that's and the then, Sears Tower. Yeah. And then went to, even though it wasn't the right fountain, went to the you know fountain in Millennium Park and did our Al Bundy's in front of it. But then, of course, got in trouble for that because we didn't do what we were supposed to and left without informing anybody of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But again, you've got the honor society kids and they're being told they might not graduate. So yeah, always funny. A little ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing I did was I threw a snowball once in fourth grade. Yeah. And a bunch of us did. And we all got pulled into the gym and letters were being sent yeah. home to our parents. Yeah. And yep. I knew my mother was going to kill me. And I got home and I gave it to her and I was terrified. And she read it and she goes, really? What is this about? And they say I threw a snowball. She goes, did anybody get hurt? And I said, no. And she goes, I don't care. And I went, all right, that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't get in trouble. So, yeah. uh, but at the same time, you know, I know my mental health stems from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, same. I, I grew up in a very... Uh, I'm going to say strict household mm-hmm. uh, was very loud, opinionated women. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming. My grandmother, you know, was born in 1927 and we lived with her and, you know, she was of the opinion that children should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. So I got a whole lot of that. And by the time I was in my early to mid teen years, her and I were butting heads constantly. And it was, it was not a good situation because we were so hard headed. Mm-hmm. And I, that led to a lot of my anxiety problems. Um, grew up without my father. He's, you know, peripheral in my life, I guess you could say. I mean, I talk to him probably a couple times a month because he calls. Um, I don't really view him as a father because I've never had him. No, he's never really been a father, true no. father figure in your life. He hasn't. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind. That's what I can do at this point. I can be kind. Mm-hmm. And that's what I am. Um. I God don't bless you. <laughs> you mean Joe bless me? <laughs> yes. Um, Joe will bless you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, and just to lean into that as well, I mean, you know, Mike and I were both raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could say we're, I, I guess we're, we're technically lapsed Catholic, even though, I mean, yes, I'm fully an atheist and have been since a very young age. And I'm pretty much over the last few years have be- realized I'm fully an atheist at this point. At a point, I kind of was leaning toward agnostic, but definitely now I'm just atheist. And I mean, I think, you know, I, for lack of better terms, I, a lot of my humor and and my worldview was conditioned by George Carlin. And it's the best, especially in regards to business and religion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm very cynical. I'm very realistic. Um, I, I tend to look at everything logically. You mm-hmm. know, if, if it doesn't have a logical answer to me, it's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's just bullshit. Um, but of course, that also leads to, you know, more mental health issues because, mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, being a white guy even though i'm only half white being a white guy or half white guy in your mid 40s there's not a lot to complain about no i mean we have it way easier than you know and more importantly a straight white man oh absolutely 
we have it easier than a lot of other people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, uh, we had somebody on Bucks and Brews, uh, Jesse Silva. She's the millennial money witch. And she made a comment one time that both her and I are white passing, even though mm-hmm. we're only partially white, mm-hmm. because we both look very white. Yeah. And I've always been white passing. We went to Plainwell High School, um, very predominantly white area. Yes. Uh, not much mix of color. No, quite um, often there was like maybe one um, black person per like graduating class. And yeah. I don't even ever think that there were Asians unless they were adopted by somebody. Correct. Like my like your sister. Sister, yeah. yeah. Um, not a, not a lot of Hispanics either. No, not a lot of Hispanics either. Um, I I everybody just thought I was a tan guy. Yeah. So really, there wasn't. And if they did think I was anything, they thought I was Mexican because yeah, I got that. that or, a lot. You know, but even then, you could go with like you could fall into like greek or italian yep. descent where you've got kind of that olive tone went to hawaii a lot as a kid people thought i was hawaiian yeah. which you know okay cool um but we really don't as a straight white man have mm-hmm. a lot to complain about not at all but at the same time i think that lends to the guys shouldn't have emotions yes um Big men don't cry. Yep. Um, some some of the other stereotypes that you run into, Nick has a lot of problems with those. Like mm-hmm. he he feels like he's told a lot of times, nobody cares, just shut up. Nobody gives a shit about your mental health. It doesn't matter. You should just deal with it. And which is too bad. It is. So you know, we try to be the opposite when we talk to Nick. Is that it's very much no. You know, if you feel you need help, get help. Absolutely. I mean, I've been in therapy since my aunt passed away in late 2015. Mike's been on and off for years. Um, And I've told my therapist, Angela, who's fantastic. Shout out to Angela. um, That if I didn't talk to her once a week, I'd probably be in jail because I'd be beating the hell out of somebody or throwing something at somebody or running somebody over because I I get so angry and frustrated that I I have no way to get those emotions out. Mm Mm-hmm. But at least, you know, if I can yell at her for 15 minutes a week or sometimes twice a week. Is that why? Because I know your appointment on my days is right before my appointment on my days. Is, she's always offline because she's like decompressing, decompressing from you. Probably. <laughs> I've thought before, I'm like, maybe I should give Angela a, a message to give to Mike. And then I'm like, she won't do it. There's no, no point. But I have thought about that before. I'm like, hey, say hi to Mike. But then I'm like, nah, I won't say it because she's not going to tell him anyway. No. So, <laughs> I mean, like you said, y'all, you and I's like relationship and what we do definitely comes up in our sessions. I'm like, you know, if you're spending most of your time yelling about, you know, people who are pissed you off at work and things like that, then probably not as much. But saying that, but again, you know. And one of the things I told her, I think it was either last week's or this past week's, I said, you know, it was really finding the friendship that I have with like you and, you know, I know Mikey's really the only one left of that friend group that we had in our like, you know, late teens, early 20s, yeah. but really flip the switch on who I, you know, I'm being more confident as a person. And well, and let's let's get into that a little bit. So, I mean, this is being our first episode we're going to talk a lot of backstory mm-hmm. um so mike and i became friends between my junior and senior year of high school uh he was a senior when i was a freshman we didn't know each other yeah i got a job the winter of my junior year at wendy's yep um and during winter break this crazy guy came back and i didn't know who the fuck he was but everybody knew him yeah and he seemed cool and all, but I mean, I really didn't talk to him. No, I, I didn't talk to him for like three weeks. Well, and I, I had just started. Yeah. So I talked to nobody if I didn't know him. And then I came I, back for the summer. Yeah. And then he came back for the summer and we got shifts together. So we started, you know, talking and being friends and hanging out. And mm-hmm. and we developed a, a close friendship that we had for many, many years. Yeah. Um, then at the time, my girlfriend in 2001 Worked with somebody that she kind of knew but didn't know really well, but thought she'd be a good match for Mike. So they started dating. And, and that, that brought out a tire kibosh on a lot of stuff. It sure did. I, I did not like this girl very much. <laughs> and full disclosure. I, and it was my first real, like, serious anything. So I just was like, 
stupidly in love. Well, and I, I threw Dawn under the bus a lot in that time period because I'm like, well, Dawn doesn't this and Dawn doesn't that instead of just, you know, being a man and saying, I can't stand this bitch. Yeah. And uh, we, we finally got to a point where we were arguing a lot. And and I basically just said to him one day on the phone, like, Dawn's trying to save the friendship. And I'm like, listen, dude, when you're done being a dick, let me know. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, yeah, likewise. And we didn't talk for 15 years. Yep. And then the time here. September 15, my aunt was passing away and I got a message from Mike on Facebook and he's like, listen, I'm really sorry about Aunt Sue. I always liked her. She was a really good lady. Um, I hope I can make it to the the, uh, the viewing or memorial because mm-hmm. we didn't do a viewing. We did a memorial. Yeah. And he ended up being busy. And, you know, I really appreciated the words. Like I had a couple of people that I was no longer friends with reach out to me. And you were the only one that really made me happy that reached out to me. Yeah. And then a couple of months later, you'd send a message to me and Mikey. And you're like, hey, I'd I'd really like to catch lunch and and talk about things and, and see if we can get past stuff. So we went to Hopcat in Grand Rapids. It was a late January, early Something February bad, day. Yeah in 2016 and kind of caught up like we had not been yeah, friends it, for 15 years it literally was like we hadn't missed a day and yeah uh, one of us on this episode is somewhat of an alcoholic maybe not even somewhat and got cut off that day yeah um and because, still went out drinking later because it was yeah. what sharon's birthday or something like that uh, we went out for don's birthday don's birthday and, and i mean we we were having such a good time that I, yeah. I just, I kept drinking because I was having so much fun yeah. to get back with you. And, and literally we, we've been inseparable again ever since, yeah. you know, and we, we had the honor, uh, even though he will never listen to this, of standing up for our yeah. other best friend, Mike yeah. Walling yeah. Yeah. at his wedding in September. Yes. We, we first off had the greatest bachelor party ever. Oh, that was definitely awesome. D- do you think anything could have topped it? Did we no, not do no, anything no. that we should have done? Like I said, I'm not like I said, some people would be like, well, you didn't go to like a strip club or anything, but I don't think we needed it. That we wasn't needed. We we went to a Cubs game, they won. We hung out in Wrigleyville after we found a really crappy Irish pub, but then we found a really cool other, other pub. Ra- yeah. And then, you know, well, did we do anything else that night after uh, we, we got went back to, to oh, we went to tools. That, yeah, to Theo Tools uh, there. Caitlin bought a girl drink yep. for the first time ever. Yep. Um, the next day we did Ed's for breakfast, yeah, which we did, great. Uh, bought, did some shopping, did the gangster tour, tour, went to Harry's, the greatest dinner ever. Just were like, we were going to go to second city for a comedy thing that evening. And we saw, Hey, there's basically a Irish pub. Irish pub right across from there. Now that was a true Irish pub. And we were sitting outside and there were so many beautiful women walking by. We literally while you and I were drunk at the wedding, I don't know if you remember this, made plans with Mikey and I don't Caitlin that. And then and, in and... and the his, his nephews that yeah. we are going there every year to drink at Corcoran's and then go to Roscoe's Tavern, which is you, a gay you bar. And me should just go to Corcoran's. We probably will. Even um, without them. We could do the one where we also include that, but then there should just be a day where we just go. Well, and we after we were done in Second City, we went to Roscoe's Tavern, which is a gay bar, mm-hmm. because my daughter wanted to go to a gay bar. So Mike, as a good uncle type, yeah. looked up all these gay bars and she picked one. And we went and had a lovely that time. That was a really great time. Uh we had a very nice bartender named Jordan, who I yeah. know I could have gotten. You could have gotten Jordan. <laughs> Jordan was, was definitely looking for a bear. I will say this: I'm not gay, no. But he is a handsome man. He is a very he was a very handsome man. If I'm going to draw somebody, I'm glad it was a handsome yeah. man. I I told Chloe when I got back, I'm like, do you know who Shelton Benjamin is? Because she's watched wrestling before, and she's like, no. I'm like, he looked like Shelton Benjamin. Yeah, actually, that's a really good comparison. Maybe not as muscular, but definitely like facial features, facial features and, yeah. and body type. Yeah, yeah. He uh, so I mean, not not to go off on a tangent here. But yeah, I mean, this is what if it's going to be Bucks and Bruce related, there's yeah, always going to be always going to be a tangent. Um, so I mean, we we just had the greatest no, that bachelor was... party with him, and honestly, I think that those two days mm-hmm. was really kind of a turning point in my mental health from the summer because my mental health in the summer was yeah, so you, bad. You were not overly excited about, I mean, you knew Anything. you were going to have fun, but you were still very, yes. Below. Yeah, I, I, didn't didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. 
was kind of, I mean, not as bad as you, but I was about the same. And I don't, that I think helped me to really mm -hmm. flip a switch. And there's just been a lot of things. Like I said, over the last few years for me, there's just been a lot of things that have just changed like my perspective on things and really helped, you know, my mental health overall. I can think about, you know, what was it? The late summer, early, you know, fall of 2021. And mm -hmm. There was somebody I was talking to through that I met through one of the online dating sites and was kind of interested in meeting, but then it was kind of like we were about a week away from actually meeting, and it was just one of those things. It's like I was looking at stuff, and I'm like, you know, I've got so many things going on with the kids over the next, you know, couple of months. We had our cruise coming up, you know, in the next couple of months, and I just, like, I just sat, I'm like, you know... I don't think I can put forth the energy for anything over the pretty much the rest of the year. And it was like the first time ever in my life that I had like control over like something not happening in terms of like my romantic life. And it just flipped a switch in terms of being like, I don't need, I mean, I like to find a relationship, but I don't need to be in a relationship to be happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it also for you helps that you know being a divorcee yeah you're able to also show your kids that you can still be happy okay. and, and lead a good life without necessarily having a significant other for yes. a while because unfortunately their mother is the exact opposite yeah she she needs somebody in her life constantly yeah so you know and, yes and i do that is a big thing for me as i feel like my kids need to see both sides of it being happy just having friends you know and they said and my my kids you know are the two most important people in the world to me no offense to others present in this room none taken i mean you know how it is because yeah. caitlin is the most important person oh, yeah to me. hands down and you know I, I i've said it a million times the the greatest thing i ever did in my life is not necessarily raising my daughter mm -hmm. but being able to coach her yeah because it gave us a different relationship mm -hmm. like her and i obviously you're not equals with your kid no and you're never gonna be no but we had such a different dynamic on a softball field mm -hmm. than we had in at home like she would be way more forceful with me mm -hmm. if it came to softball than she ever would be here yeah I, I mean yeah i mean if you know we're talking about school or homeworkers stuff and yeah. i say hey you need to go do this that that's what has to be yeah. done whereas if we're on a softball field and i'm like hey this is what i want and she has a different opinion she knew she could voice that and that mm -hmm. that really helped grow her as a person yeah so i mean you know i and, and even back then i was always of the opinion that because i coach girls and i've coached girls for 21 years now mm -hmm. Girls also get this thing where guys, you know, are tough and they don't cry and all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. I have cried in front of my teams since I started coaching. Mm -hmm. I don't mind. I don't care. I don't. It, it shows vulnerability and it shows that it's okay. Yeah. I'm at work a couple of weeks ago and Skyler, who's 17, works for us, um, made the comment in front of one of my former catchers, Lily, of, oh, well, yeah, but you don't cry. And Lily just started laughing her ass off. He cries all the time. That's all he does. Yeah, it is. I, I do. When it when it comes to those type of things, I cry a lot because they need to see it. Yeah, my kids were never into sports, so I never got the opportunity to coach. But, you know, Max did Cub Scouts once he got old enough to do it. And so I was always involved with that with him. And, I've you know, again, it's unfortunately just it's not the same dynamic as being a coach, but it's still like realizing showing your kids that you want to be part of their activities, I think helps show. And I'm like, like you're not Caitlin's biological father, no. but you are way more of a father than her biological dad ever was. Yep. I mean, way more. I, in a lot of ways, the same way as Steve and me, mm -hmm. you know, my biological father, I don't look at as a father, but Steve who coached me and, mm -hmm. and I've been close to for Pretty much since you were like 15. Yeah. So like 30 some odd years. Um, he's the closest thing I have to a dad. When I mm -hmm. need fatherly advice, I call Steve Anderson. Yeah. And I always have. And uh, you know, those are I've been lucky. Those are relationships that 
I knew I had, so I could mm-hmm. rely on them. Yeah. And, and they do help my mental health a lot. Like, yeah. you know, I said to you the other day, we need to find a time to go see Steve. We do need to go. Every time we see Steve, it improves our, our mental health. Yeah. And I mean, you didn't know Steve in high school because you didn't play football. No. But how much do you love the man? Love the man. I mean, is he just basically if 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 somebody who is important to him has a somebody who's important to them, he automatically accepts them until that person does something that screws over the person that's important to him. Yeah. I mean, so Case in point, Mike's birthday this year. Mm -hmm. We went to the Beer and Donut Fest at Fifth Third Ballpark or whatever they call it now. It was so much fun. We had a blast. What was the highlight of your day? Do you remember? It was probably Steve calling. Steve called while we were having donuts and beer. And then Mike took that call and had the biggest smile on his face. And then paid way too much money for the piano players to play Mona Lisa's at Manhattan's by Elton John. I don't remember that part. I do, because I remember I spent like 60, so they play it before we left. I see. So, I mean, you know, we, getting back to the mental health aspect, we we think it's important for especially men and especially middle-aged men to start Mm -hmm. understanding that it's okay to have emotions. It's okay Mm -hmm. to express those emotions. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, having the, the business that we have, we have boards set up where you can write how you feel before you go in the room and how you feel after and my wife has started telling them, listen, everybody has emotions. Guys, you absolutely have emotions. And some of the guys get pissed off about it. And she'll look at them and go, hey, by the way, you getting pissed off about me saying you have emotions is an emotion, (laughs) which then really pisses them off. But anger is an emotion. It is. And anger is what guys are most comfortable with. Yeah. Because even, you know, Angela's told me for years, listen, you're not angry, you're depressed. Yeah. You're not angry, you're sad. Yeah. It just comes out as anger because that's what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Absolutely 100% true. Oh yeah. I'm so comfortable with being angry. Because I've been angry for 46 years. Mm-hmm. So, I always liken my attitude to this. So, if you've ever watched Avengers, at one point Steve Rogers asks uh Bruce Banner how he controls the monster. And towards the end of the movie, Bruce looks at Steve and he goes, that's the secret, Captain. I'm always angry. And that's kind of me. I'm always yeah. angry. I mean, you've been my friend for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen me not angry? No. Even when I'm happy, you're just, I'm angry. You're just different levels of anger. Correct. Even when I'm happy, I'm angry. There's happy, angry, direct, angry, angry, angry. Just different degrees. Yeah. He's just loud. I mean, his is like the happy anger is just loud. And like overly sometimes like like smacking a table because yeah. he's excited about something. Well, I get very worked up and very excited, and yeah, and that comes out loud. I my wife has a hard time understanding this, but Mike gets it more because he was the with man. me when I was growing up. I was a very loud house I grew up in. Oh my god. And to it's be insane. heard, you had to be the loudest person in the room. You did. So if you wanted to express any kind of opinion, you better be louder than the other people in there. And I had three very loud women that I, mm-hmm. I was raised by and, and very opinionated. And an asshole was the, just kind of sat on his by himself and was quiet. Yeah, and, sat on his brains being an asshole. Yeah. We'll get into that at some point. I'm at sure some point now, we don't, yeah. It won't be today. Um, so, I mean, you know. I, I've, I've kind of expounded my thoughts on mental health. You've thrown in a little bit. I, I, I want your opinion on where we're at with, you know, guys our age not wanting to express. I, you know, and I think the hard part is it doesn't even, I mean, and you alluded to it with even like younger, it's not unfortunately just our age. I mean, I think it's hard in our age because again, being Gen Xers, like there's just, Gen X has this like kind of kind of kind of connotation to it where you're just a very independent, you know, you grew up being independent, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't need, you know, we're it's us against the world type thing. And, you know, leave us in the corner so we can just be left alone. Yeah. And it's so, but yeah, it's there's just a lot. I mean, there is a lot of. Like I said, people get it. And it works outside of it works into physical health too. These quite often in our generation, 
these are people who also don't want to go to the doctor for, you know, oh, big deal. You know, I have some chest pains. I'll, you know, they'll go away in 10 minutes and, you know, or, you know, yeah, I've been sick for a couple of days, but I'm just going to ignore it and pretend it isn't there. And, you know, these are all things. And so it is just, there's this stigma, unfortunately, associated with the men in general getting help for anything. I'm like, if you're, it, we, we grew up in the, you know, generation of, you know, like playing, you know, pick up basketball, no blood, no foul. Oh, absolutely. We grew up with, you know, walk it off. It's just, you know. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah, rub some dirt on it. You know, there's just, it's not a lot. Like, it was just like, you hurt yourself. You didn't worry about it. Unless you, like, broke your arm and it's, like, dangling. You know, then maybe you go to the doctor, but if you've got, you know, a three inch deep gash in your arm, you you know, you drink some ginger ale, some burners because you're in Michigan and well, you're, you, you're perfectly fine. You get it with some of, you know, the, the taglines they, they give to men, the strong, silent type. Yeah. Uh, speak softly oh, yeah. and carry a big stick. Yeah. You know, bullshit macho or man speak, shit. Or speak loudly and carry a big stick. Yeah. It, it's the macho bullshit man sh- stuff that makes us feel like we shouldn't have emotions. We shouldn't express emotions. Yeah. And the only emotions that we should ever express are anger. Anger anger. Anger's fine. Anger's always safe. You can be angry and it's perfectly fine. It, it's the reason that I hate this bullshit that women can't be leaders because women are too emotional. There is nobody more emotional than a fucking man mm-hmm. because we've been told not to be emotional. So the only one you're going to get from us is anger, anger all the time. Yes. Because that's the safe one. Mm-hmm. it's not safe to be vulnerable it's not safe to be sad it's not safe to cry mm-hmm. it's not safe to you know show affection it's mm-hmm. safe to be angry yep and unfortunately a lot of toxic men out there believe that bullshit yeah and i mean we also grew up in like really the last generation where physical punishment was common. not socially unacceptable yeah it was commonplace yeah I mean, it wasn't bad, you know, we weren't getting, you know, punched in the face, but we were getting, you know, you got laid over a knee and spanked and grabbed the belt. Yeah. I got a belt once or twice. I always think of like, what is it? The little board of education, the ruler that the the nun has yep. hitting Jake and Elwood as she's as they're walking backwards out the uh, door and Bruce yeah. brothers or falling backwards in their desk. Yeah. Out the door. Yeah. But yeah, I. We've come a long way, mm-hmm. especially in the last 50 or so years. But unfortunately, you still still see a lot of that. So, like, yeah. I, I'm on some Facebook groups, you know, especially railing on boomers. Mm-hmm. And they'll always, every week there's a post on, you know, boomers wanting to go back to corporal punishment for kids. And how fucking short-sighted. Mm-hmm. I, I used to be of the opinion, because, again, I'm a Gen Xer, so I was raised this way. If a kid is making noise, shut it up. Yeah. And I was on a plane coming back last Sunday and this kid was just wailing. And it's the first time consciously I ever thought to myself, that poor kid's having a bad day. Yeah. It wasn't shut it up. Yeah. It was that poor kid's having a bad day. And that was a nice change, I guess, because, you know, it's taken me 46 years to get to that point of not wanting to knock the shit out of somebody for the kids screaming. Don't. Well, at that point, if the kid's screaming, you wonder, to me, the first thing I think of in a lot of cases is what is the parent doing wrong? Maybe it's the parent that needs to be hauled over the coals. And Well, a lot of times that's my thing is yeah. beat the shit out of the parent so it will shut the kid up. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you I mean, know, but again, a kid should still, like if a kid does something like phys- like really wrong, like that isn't like an accident. Like if you accidentally, like I remember as a kid you know, breaking a window in the uh, VW bus we had because my brother and I were playing soccer and we kicked the soccer, the Nerf soccer ball through the window. That'll happen. It it wasn't like we intentionally did it. I didn't go up and intentionally like put a hammer through the window because I was mad. Yeah. But I mean, like those are the kind of things like a kid shouldn't be punished for something that happens on accident. No. But... If they're consciously doing something bad, like putting a hammer through a window, then they should be punished. Yeah. And sometimes that should be like, if it has to be a spanking, that should still be allowed. Because you know what? Sometimes a physical punishment is 
the only thing that gets it through to people. Yeah, there are some people that definitely need a punch in the face. Now, I'm not saying kids. There are some people, oh yeah, adults that need a good punch in the face. Oh yeah, no, well, I'm not. No, I would never punch a kid in the right. face. But you well, know, I just wanted, little, I just yeah. wanted to say that because yeah. once I said it, I'm like, I, I need to backtrack this a little bit. But yeah, so uh, there are many adults out there that deserve a punch in the face. So I'm I'm on YouTube the other day and I start arguing with an idiot because they were interviewing i'm just gonna say they were interviewing a bunch of trump idiots yeah and they were saying dumb shit just call them trump humpers and that's what we call them and at one point somebody had commented in there that you know where do they get these morons or something like that yeah and then tough guy comes in the comments going you wouldn't say that to anybody's face you're a keyboard warrior so of course me being me um i replied to him you know, it's better to be thought stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So, of course, he went after me. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have the balls to say that to anyone's face. You're just a keyboard warrior. So I replied, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mind you, my name is on my YouTube. Yeah. Look me up. Come on over here. We'll see how big of a man you are. Yeah. And then somebody else commented going, dude, nobody called you a moron. So I replied to that guy. He's a moron. There. Now someone said it. Because I really don't give a shit. Yeah. No. If you want to be a jackass, I'll tell you you're a jackass. Yes. And if he wants to come to Grand Rapids and find me, find me. Yeah. We'll have a conversation. I don't think you'll like it. Yeah. But there, that guy is one of those people that just needs a punch in the face. Mm-hmm. Because he thinks he's a big tough guy. Now, I haven't been in a fight since high school. Yeah. I'm not much of a fighter, but I am a big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. I'll lay your ass out if I have to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to do it. And so, if you feel your life's in danger, you'll pull out your gun that you'll probably have on you because you've got your concealed carry permit. Oh, I, I have that on me all the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't put up with shit. And then, luckily, I've never had to use it. Mm-hmm. And I hope I never do. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to back down from a fucking moron. And that, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to go out and go postal and shoot no. at anybody. But at the same time, I mean, you know, if, if somebody does want to try me, I will defend myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I, that's kind of that toxic man shit. Yeah. But sometimes you have to be a toxic man shit. Yeah. Well, because usually you're being a toxic man toward other toxic men. Correct. I, I will not bully anyone mm-hmm. unless they're being a bully yep it's kind of like how we catfish the catfish correct we are very good at catfishing catfish because we don't fall for that shit yeah but we do have a lot of fun yeah. with them <clears throat> um but yeah but yeah, in general like i said yeah unfortunately and said there's too much out there and like i said the tox the toxic masculinity and all of that and you know and unfortunately like i said and it seems to again be a lot of people in our generation who are using like the unfortunately that what trump basically has created which is an open forum to basically tell people they're you know if you hate something about somebody you can openly say that you hate something about somebody yeah and unfortunately, it's a lot of people in our generation who fall under that, you know, thing that are like, oh, now all of a sudden I can be like, I hate, you know, gay people and I hate people of other races. And it's just like, you know, we're all humans. We're all, you know, just looking to live our best life. You know, why can't people accept that? Well, and you and I, we hate specifically one group of people. Yeah. People that hate on people for no good fucking reasons. Yes. I hate you because you're gay. Okay, I hate you now. Yep. Not because you're black, white, gay, no. purple. No. But because you hate gay people for the fact that they exist. Yep. I now hate you. Yep. You and I would be the same way. I have no pro. That's another toxic masculinity bullshit. Oh, yeah. The toxic men out there think that every gay guy wants them. And mm. that's why they don't like gay people. Yep. I, first off, if a gay guy is attracted to me, at least somebody's attracted to me. Oh, yeah, okay? I fully agree. I'm a happy guy because somebody yeah, thinks somebody, I'm cute. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not 
extroverted. I'm, I'm very much an introvert. I don't hit on people. I don't do any of that shit. How I ever got married is beyond me. I have no fucking idea how that happened. You I just got, got lucky into in that short period of time when online dating actually kind of worked. Yeah, it kind of worked. Unfortunately, we're back to the area where now it's more of a catfish environment. Oh, absolutely. It's just Match.com trying to get money out of everybody yeah. and not giving a shit about anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I call them out, but it's all of them, honestly. Oh, no. Yeah. It's every day to fine. So, I mean, again, if somebody thinks I'm attractive, I'm half guy. Jordan thought I was attractive. That was great. No. I, I'm not going to go do anything with Jordan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fist bump him and say, hey, yeah. by the way. Buy him a shot. I, yeah, I'm married to a woman. Just so you know. We're cool. Yeah. But I, I don't hate people for those reasons, which, you know. Unfortunately, there are a lot of uh, a lot of people out there that do, you know, uh, watching this uh, Israel versus Hamas yeah. mess. Um, Israelis don't like Palestinians and Palestinians don't like Israelis, but we're not talking about individual people. The vast majority of them. We're talking about small sections of them don't yeah. like the other ones just for existing, Yeah, which is horseshit. Yeah. You know, I when my father does call me, we talk about israel and hamas a lot because he's jewish and, and even that i mean so much of that is christians hating jews because yeah palestine is the just like israel is where the is the jewish people live in that area yep. palestine is where the christians live in that area or muslims there are muslims there too but well and you know christians you know since i'm an atheist let's attack them for a minute hate other sects of christianity oh, yeah, hands down like the protestants and the catholics hate each other which is asinine and they believe in the like you go into like I said i grew up catholic went to catholic school know all about the holy trinity you know god jesus and the holy spirit they all believe in that but they don't like each other wait wait i, I thought the holy trinity was oh, yeah. vader luke yeah i hope yeah. you want know it is but this is the other holy trinity oh okay the the Holy Trinity that existed before 1977. Oh, okay. I like the 1977 one better myself. Yes. But again, you know, they all believe in the same stuff. It, it's just like, you know, because one follows the Pope and one doesn't follow the Pope, they hate each other. Which, again, George Carlin had a bit once that he doesn't understand why Republicans don't like gay people. Because Republicans are against abortion. And who has less abortions than gay people? Nobody. It seems like they would be natural allies. And he's right. It does. There are no, it is rare that a gay couple would have an abortion. Correct. Unless it was a woman getting raped. Or. By a man. Or a non-viable fetus. Yeah. And now, yes, in that kind of situation. Yes. And I mean, you know, it's. It would make sense, but again, I, there are oxymorons all over the place. Gay Republicans and oxymoron. They hate you. Why would you be them? Yeah. I would not choose pretty much any yeah. Anything, Republicans, yeah. black Republicans. Republicans. Yeah. Again, I would not choose to be something like a Republican if they hated everything I was about. Yes. Like I'm a brown person. They don't really like brown no. people, so I'm not ever going to be a Republican. Now, does that mean I'm a Democrat? I am because I have to be. But if they could put a brown person out there, especially one who's, you know, paid for abortions like uh, Herschel Walker. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a great person for the, you know, can't can't form two coherent sentences. <laughs> yeah. But he really likes vampires. Vampires are cool <laughs> people. Okay. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. It it just always blows me away yeah. at, at choosing to be something that hates you. Like yeah. again, I'm I'm a Democrat because I don't have a choice. Yeah. Not because I agree with everything Democrats do. No. And I'm also, because we talked about this earlier, I'm a realist. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize that I'm not going to get everything I want. Yeah. So let's go for the place where I'm going to get more of what I want. Yeah. And again, you know, we, we look at the gun problem and Republicans are quick to say that the gun problem is a mental health issue. Yeah. It's never the gun. But then they remove all mental health barriers to obtaining a gun. Yeah. Which... Okay, if you're going to say it's a mental health issue, why aren't we getting more mental health yeah. um, stipulations put in place before <laughs> before you can buy a gun? And I fully agree. Like, 
the entire statement of, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Because, yes, a gun does not fire itself just because it wants to. Like, you might do something stupid with it and drop it and it fires because you didn't put the safety on it. But a gun sitting in a perfectly locked safe is not going to fire. Right. But that doesn't mean we should give, you know, crazy people access to them. I fully agree. And when I say crazy, I don't mean crazy. I mean, yeah, me definitely. Um, I mean, you know, people that have mental health issues. There there are probably times I should not be anywhere near a gun because I have mental health issues. That reminds me. I was going to read this to you today since we're doing a mental health episode. Awesome. Um, I, I read this on Reddit earlier today. And you know how I fucking love Reddit. You do love Reddit. My ex-boyfriend killed himself. Ooh, yuck. So my ex-boyfriend killed himself almost two weeks ago, and it hit me harder than I thought. We dated for four years and even rented an apartment together for a year, and in the last two years of our relationship, he really sank into depression. Me and his family, his family and I, tried to get him help and support him as much as we could, but he tried to end it a few times, was hospitalized in a psychiatric ward, and generally wasn't doing well. I broke up with him in April after his depression turned into a paranoid manic episode, and I just couldn't handle it. The depression was bad, but I still saw in him the person I fell in love with. In the manic episode, that person was gone, and I just realized I can't do anything more to help, and staying in this relationship was hurting me too much. So I decided to leave and started building my life without him. I checked on him a few times via friends and his family, and he was still in his manic episode for about seven months. I really thought I got over him. I even started seeing and dating other men, but then I got a call that he killed himself. I was devastated. I couldn't even believe. I couldn't believe it, even though I was prepared for this moment for years. I just felt the deepest pain and sorrow that I've ever felt. Couldn't stop thinking, why didn't I call or text to check on him and feeling so sad that I missed an opportunity, not necessarily to save his life, but to make him feel a little less alone in his final days. A month ago, he met my friend on the street and asked her to tell me and my friends that he is truly sorry for what we went through with him and that I couldn't bring myself to send him a text that I forgave him and he'll never know. I don't know why I'm writing all this. I've never posted on here, but I just feel so confused. I'm so sad that he couldn't win his battle and I still cry about him. But I also feel like I don't deserve to feel that way because I was the one who left and I was always aware to the possibility that he would kill himself. Truly appreciate any advice on how to deal with these feelings. Thanks for reading. That sucks. It does suck. And unfortunately, I can almost be like, understand everything she's going through because, you know, she can feel bad that she didn't reach out to him, but she also has to be like, it was still an important part of your life. Like, you know, losing somebody and realizing they're never going to be in your life again, even if, that but i mean i think you know she left when she re- when she saw somebody who wasn't that person that she fell in love with mm-hmm. and it's one thing i've learned because i you know i'll add in a little bit i've through work become a mental adult mental health first aid certified so you know if we get enough connection out there and you just need somebody to talk to you know we're going to probably, you know, figure out a way to have ways that people can get a hold of us and talk to us if need be. But it's like one of the first things you hear is self-care is important. Like self-care is probably the biggest step to your own personal mental health. No, oh, absolutely. And part of it is realizing that sometimes a relationship can just not be right anymore. And, you know, she made the decision that was right for her at the time. I mean, it, it, you know, and, but it's not wrong for her to feel bad that he killed himself that, you know, feel sad about it. You know, unfortunately probably even reaching out and saying, you know, I forgive you probably wouldn't have stopped it. No, because if he had already tried several times and had been hospitalized several times, you know, but again, it boils down to prop not getting, the support needed outside of the few times they put him in like the hospital and stuff like that, because probably at some point being told, you know, just get over it. At best, she may have delayed it a week or two at best, at best, at best, you know, I think you'll agree with me. 
when we were being raised and and you know into our 20s and probably even 30s mm-hmm. we were always conditioned that suicide was a, a coward's way out yeah and i you know i i really wrestled with that the older i got that you know i'm a coward mm-hmm. like i could not kill myself i'm chicken shit okay i wouldn't do the same i, I don't like pain i i'm not i've never been suicidal no but I, I, that's just something I couldn't do because I think it really takes a strong and desperate person to decide that I, I'm done. I, yeah. I can't do this anymore yeah. because you're just in so much pain and you're just, yeah. you feel utterly alone and, and you just don't want to go through it anymore. So you, you just get to that point of this is it. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I mm-hmm. don't have anything to live for. People yeah. will be better off without me. I'm just ending it. And that takes an incredibly strong person to to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. again, it's it's never the right answer. No, it's never the right answer. But at the same time, I I do understand it. Now, you know, I'm a big proponent of um, assisted suicide because oh, I th- for like people who are terminally ill, terminally hands down, hands down. I I think you know we we're better to our animals. Like when my cats yeah. get to the point that they are not living their life anymore they're just existing that that, that it's time to end the, their suffering yeah but you can't do that for a person you can't do that for a person which is total bullshit because you know watching my aunt for the last two weeks of her life she wasn't eating because she couldn't she didn't have any strength yeah. she literally was just breathing and sleeping yeah, it was basically morphine to control the pain Correct. and whatever other drugs they go to control the pain and unfortunately yeah it's just you're just counting the minutes until they take their last breath and have their last heartbeat. Yeah. You're just hoping it comes sooner. Yeah. Like every time yeah. she'd stop breathing for a minute, minute and a half, we're like, all right, well, we're finally there. This, this is done. And then all of a yeah. sudden she'd gasp and it's like, son of a bitch. Yeah. I didn't want my aunt to die, No, but I didn't want to watch her like that either. No. And I, I think that's, you know, what a lot of people don't understand. It, it's not, it's not something that people just decide willy nilly. I, you know, I'm, no. I don't want to live anymore. It, it, it's well thought out. And most people that threaten it probably aren't that serious. It depends. I think it's, it's probably a, around a 50 50. Some are threatening it to get attention. Others are threatening it because they're strongly thinking about it. Well, and I mean, I can just speak for myself. I'm going to do something and probably not going to threaten it. No, I'm I'm just going to keep it quiet and do it because I I don't if I'm going to do it I don't want somebody to stop me. You know mm-hmm. I I've done dumbass things in my life. Yeah. It's never like I went hey I'm going to go do this dumbass yeah. thing so you could go hey that's that's really dumbass dude don't do that because if I say I'm going to go do a dumbass thing you're probably going to tell me I'm a dumbass. But I think it's when but again you have to look at it, and this is again something I've learned with the 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 training I've taken is that if somebody does say threaten you know you have to be brave enough to say is this something you're really thinking about or is this something you're just saying to get attention because they like said that's the biggest way to keep them is be like you know maybe get them help before they try it yes yeah. you know just be able to say you know are you cons- you really thinking about suicide or is this more you're kind of angry today and tomorrow you're going to be perfectly fine or a week from now you're going to be perfectly fine well, you know, for those that don't know, I, I had a brush with death in 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I told you this specifically. I know you've heard this. I don't know if it came from my mouth. But there was a point because of how septic I was that my brain just wasn't working right. And I, I mean, I'm still not, I'm never going to be 100% of what I was yeah. before. But I'm a whole lot closer to 100% than I was for like a year after I got mm-hmm. sick. And I remember saying to Nick at one point, I'm like, listen. If this is the best it's ever going to get, oh, I, I wish I wouldn't have gone to the hospital. I would have just died. You've, you've said that to me. Before. Have I said it to you? Yeah. So I, I and knew then we got mad at you. I knew it wasn't a surprise to you. And I remember Nick saying to me, dude, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, no, no, no. Are you okay? I'm like, listen, dude, I'm not looking to end my life. I'm just telling you right now, if I knew then what I know now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gone to the hospital because if this is the best it's going to get, I don't want to live like this. My brain is not my brain. I I can't think of what I need to do. Mm -hmm. It made me so much more anxious than I was before. Like Dawn would pull me to the side and say, what is your fucking problem? You're being a dick. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't verbalize what my problem was because it was just, my brain wasn't working right. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm probably at about 85, 90% of what I was before, which, you know, is probably the best it's ever going to get. But I can function at that. Yeah. I can, I can not hate my life at that. Mm-hmm. Whereas for that first year, I found very little joy in doing anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, you know, getting out of the hospital and we got together with some friends for my birthday. Yeah. And I literally just sat in a chair for three or four hours. Well, because you didn't really, you really didn't have, I didn't have energy. You couldn't really eat anything. No. And I didn't really want to be around people, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to be around you guys. And and I, I was pretty miserable that day. I, I didn't have a lot of fun, but I also knew that it was something I needed to do. Even Mm -hmm. though I hated doing it. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's having that wherewithal. It, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I had to tell people when I said, "Listen, if this is the best it's ever going to be, I wish I wouldn't have gone to the hospital." Yeah. I had to always follow that up with, "I'm not suicidal," yeah, because I have great friends, and they, you know, they were obviously worried that I was going to die when I was sick, yeah. and now I'm talking about I don't really want to be here, so I need them to know, hey, I'm, I'm not offing myself. I'm just telling you that this is yeah, yeah this sucks. Yeah. You're miserable. Yeah. And it was your way of communicating your misery. Correct. And we appreciate the fact that you were doing is it allowed us to kind of be like, okay, you know, what can we do to help you feel better, get better, you know? At least I said, you know, and you know, you know, around, you know, what was it, 2022 when, you know, my dad had gotten COVID right mm-hmm. around the like Memorial Day time frame. And, he went way downhill after that, like got to the point where we thought maybe he was starting to suffer from Alzheimer's, um, got really, really manic at a point, um, just to the point where it was like getting to be a danger to like himself, not necessarily to hurt himself, but he was going to do something just that, you know, would cause him to get hurt. And, you know, being in the ER down in Kalamazoo with him. And, you know, at that point I had signed to be medical power attorney for both my parents and stuff like that. And we're in there and, you know, the doctor come in and said, you know, well, we did additional testing. There's really not much we can do. And my mom was just freaking out because she just, she was at, she couldn't do, you know, handle taking care of him because it was almost at that point, like taking care of like a, toddler where you just didn't know what that toddler was going to do at any given moment well worse than a toddler because he could do things yeah but i mean and then my mom steps out to talk to the doctor and that particular er i mean it's a way better er and the fact you're not just kind of in a place where there's like curtains separating you and everybody else like they have separate rooms and like sliding doors and everything, but the door, she didn't, the door didn't close all the way. And she, she starts asking the doctor questions and my dad could hear, you know, cause he was going to basically be like, you know, and I just, I did what I did. Unfortunately, what they tell you never, ever, ever to do. And basically it's yell at somebody who's having some sort of mental health issue. But I did, cause I didn't want him getting in my mom's face and, getting her even worse off than she already was. And I got up and I yelled at him, but it was like the one time it works, it flipped a switch and the mania went away. But unfortunately over the next few months that he slipped into a deep, deep depression where honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that his brain was so messed up and realized that he had plenty of options to, and his life, he probably would have. Like, he literally was just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be. It was exactly like you, except it was more like he was at the very beginning of it, not seeing an ability to get better. And it was just a matter of not realizing that he literally could just go into the kitchen, grab a knife and slit his wrist. But he just, the mental, like, wherewithal just was not there. So that was a nice thing. We ended up having to get him committed to the psychiatric hospital at the VA. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being there for about a couple, little over two months, but it made a difference. He got out and he wasn't himself when he got out, but he is finally to the point where he's kind of like you talked about, not quite who he was, but at least, you know, 85 to 90% of who he was. Close enough. Yeah. It's, it's not only humbling, but it's, it's very scary when you're in that position, like my daughter's terrified of dying mm-hmm. and I'm not, and I, I never really have been because mm-hmm. I know that when I die, 
nothing happens. I'm just I'm just gone, and I I don't. You're gonna fade away to you're gonna rot away to nothing. Right, I, gasket. I don't. Well, not even that. That's gonna get. They're gonna burn me. Yeah, yeah. say why I'm gonna get burned. So I mean, I I won't have any pain. It's it's not gonna be anything for me. It's the people that are left behind are gonna have mm-hmm. all of the pain. Like, you know, when when I've had to put down one of my cats, it's it's sad for me. Mm-hmm. It's not sad for them. They they have no more suffering. Yeah. They're you know lack of better terms in a better place because they're not suffering anymore yeah. and that to me that's what death is it's just no more suffering and i get how that's scary to some people it's, mm-hmm. it's just not to me and and i i've told my daughter before listen i i was i was a walking dead man for three four days yeah i don't remember anything i can tell you right now that i felt miserable because i know i felt miserable mm-hmm. but there was no fear or anything. I, I was literally just dead man walking. And yeah. and if I would have died, I wouldn't have known or cared. I yeah. just didn't care. So when you were, like I said, you were at that point, like you said, I unfortunately didn't see you in all that because I was in another state while you were really at that, like knocking on death's door. But I fully believe that. Yeah, I mean, but I remember, what was it? Memorial Day weekend when you first had the first like attack that kind of led to everything yeah that you went through and it was just like you were miserable then and i remember taking you to your softball you know game you know yeah the districts um, districts and yeah you were just you were not you no and i don't remember a lot of that day the only the only part of you that was you was you would not let you would not pay for parking no no entry no no, you may not remember this. I must After, You wanted to get a sweet tea, no, an unsweet tea at McDonald's. But it was more than after, a dollar. But it was more than a dollar. And I wouldn't pay and that. And he would not pay it. Uh, I was willing to buy it for him, but because he was, it was going to cost more than a dollar for the tea. Yeah, it was too cheap. He did not want it. That is absolutely me. That was that was him. I don't specifically remember that. But that was... But I, I knew where you were going. That was, that was where... The true David was still there. Yeah. Even in like the mental fog, it was still just like, I'm not going to spend more money than I expect to spend no. on this. I, I have my hard and fast rules. It's worth a dollar. I'm not paying more. Ah. And I didn't. Nope. Um, yeah. I... So we hit the speedway and picked you up drinks there, which we're, we're now we're at the price you wanted yeah. them to, you expected them to be. Correct. <clears throat> I mean, you know, we, we talk about this stuff and, and we're going to talk about this stuff a lot more when we do these episodes, but mm-hmm. you know, having that vulnerability to be able to talk about it is, is honestly what men, especially our age, mm-hmm. they need to show that vulnerability and, and be able to say, Hey, I'm not okay. Yeah. And they need to be able to do it to people that care about them. Like yeah. I, I've always been able to do that to people I care about. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm just not in a good spot. I, that when, we know on Bucks and Brews that we need to hit a mental health episode. Mm-hmm. We we start right away with going, all right, this is going to be a mental health episode because yeah. we are not good. Yep. I mean, we literally titled one, Why We Hate Ourselves. And they did. We went on for two hours about why we hated ourselves. And my wife has said to me before, who the hell wants to listen to that? I don't care. I think it's just something. The hard part sometimes is when it gets to be two hours. Yeah. Is it gets too long. It'd almost be good in some cases to like do snips where it ends up being like a 20 minute episode of the high points, like the things that might get somebody to be like, wow, I'm kind of going through that. Yeah. Our audio engineer sucks because it's me and I don't, and yeah, I don't take time to really edit. Yeah. Um, if anybody yeah, you tried to-, to do the one edit and realized you were only going to have five minutes of content. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If anybody wants to edit for us out there, please reach yeah. out. Uh, Bucks and Brews LLC at gmail.com. Shameless plug. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, you know, we we tend to go off on tangents yeah. because the worst part about us, and especially when Nick is thrown into that, is we like talking to each other. We do. So we'll get off on a story and then 20 minutes later, we'll get back to the point. Yeah. Which, you know, is fascinating if you like talking to us and listening to us but yeah. not as fascinating if you're actually trying to you know gain knowledge out of the shit we're saying but i think i mean i think it's it almost like like you said sometimes I, it's it's less helpful i think financially 
think mental health wise, I think it's realizing because then people would be like, oh, wow, you know, kind of getting off topic is a norm. Mm -hmm. You know, again, things that, you know, might be like, what are you talking to people that be getting that negative reaction of why we were just talking about, you know, you know, next year's budget. Why are we now talking about, you know, Joe Boo and major league or right. whatever. And it's like, sometimes you just have to, it's norm. Yeah. I mean, people, we, we podcast like people really talk, mm-hmm. which, you know, for good or bad. Yeah. So Speaking of going, we we got a little over an hour. Yeah, I I think that's probably well, a good place a good to stop. Yeah, start wrapping up. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for the people out there? Um, I just say, like I said, if you're having difficulties, like I said, people, there are people that likely care about you that you can talk to, and even if you're one who is a little more reserved and may not open up to a lot of people, just call up some of the anonymous helplines out there. You know, even if not like a suicide one, there's plenty of just ones that you can talk to about, hey, I'm feeling depressed. Hey, I'm doing this, you know, or online ones. There are plenty of things you can do to find the tools. It's just very important for you to realize that, you know, not only is a big part of mental health, physical health, but a big part of physical health is mental health. You really, the two go hand in hand. Yeah, and uh, we probably will get a, show email at some point yeah. which i'm looking at you because i think you should get it because i i deal with enough emails that's fine um but until we have that you can always reach out to us at bucks and brews llc at gmail.com yep um all spelled out <clears throat> um not with dollar signs though yeah no dollar signs just the, the words bucks and brews at llc at gmail.com um, you can find Bucks and Brews anywhere. If if you have nobody to talk to, please, you know, feel free to reach out to us because yeah. um, we will talk to you. We've done that on Bucks and Brews before. We we've had some people contact us because they're just in a bad spot and, mm-hmm. and we're happy to have those conversations. Yep. Um off air, on air, whatever you want, whatever will help. Um, we we are very we try to be very helpful to people out there mm-hmm. because we really do care about people i mean you know i i've said for years cons of being my friend is i'm an asshole but the pros of being my friend is i'm your asshole yes. so i mean i am mike's asshole every day every day and you know i we, we'd realized if we were ever going to run for politics like i need to be the face like they can all be like behind me as like idea people but i i would need to be the face because i'm the one who can actually stay level-headed yeah, I'd just be cursing and throwing yeah. shit, flipping everybody off. I'd be stone cold. Yeah, you would. Literally just flipping yeah. everyone off. Yeah. Oh, I don't like you. Yeah. Um. So, again, thank you for joining us at this first yeah. uh, episode of Mad Men Mental Health. Um, yes. We'll it, come up with hopefully a logo, hopefully a, a good tagline. Um, and like I said, if we're you, here and... If you have specific questions, reach yeah. out, let us know. Um, we yeah. will absolutely take that on. I'm I'm sure you'll be hearing from us probably in a month, six weeks, somewhere yeah. in there. Probably be good to do one maybe just after the holidays are done and you know, kind of people get through the start of the year because that's always a stressful point in life for people. Um, you know, whether it's you enjoy your family coming or you stress out more about, you know, getting together with family and you know, and then it's just also the blahs of, you know, seasons and stuff like that, getting cold, that's light out. And so. so thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you guys again very, very soon. Bye.